This is Lance Turner, pastor at Grow Church. We'd like to thank you for joining our podcast. We pray the message today stirs your faith and it causes you to grow. Enjoy the message. Wow, thank you for being here this morning. Man, what a powerful time of worship. I don't know about you, but I, when, I, when I start singing about the name of Jesus, man, something just happens. I'm, I, I just had to, this morning, I just had to get on my knees because he's worthy. How many of you believe he's worthy this morning? Am I the only one? How many of you know he's worthy? Let's change that to from believe to know. We know he's worthy. Hallelujah. Well, thank you for being here this morning. It's going to be an, an awesome day. Super Sunday fun day. Anybody ready to have fun? You know, one of our core values here at Grow Church is to have fun. It's okay to have fun, right? Anybody ever been around a Christian that looks like they've been sucking on lemons the whole week? Stay away from them. And if you ever see me looking like I'm sucking on lemon, you can say, Pastor, change that, change that face. Christ paid too high a price for us to go on around in the mully grubs. Amen? The, the happiest people and the most loving people on the planet should be those who have a relationship with Jesus. Can I get an amen? Is anybody going to help me preach this morning? I'm here to tell you, folks, God wants you fully alive. And we're going to celebrate today. We're going to have a good time. Well, I want, to, I want to talk to you this morning about three words. I would say some of the most powerful words that you could ever speak, other than the name of Jesus, okay? And we're going to talk about him a lot, so you'll hear his name. But there are three words that are very powerful. And how many of you know words are powerful? As a matter of fact, when God created the universe, guess what he did? He used words. And I believe in that moment, in that moment, he already was looking ahead in time, and he saw every person in this room lifting their hands and declaring what a beautiful name it is. And from the foundation of the world, he had these three words in mind. Now, if you look in the book of Genesis, you'll notice that originally the relationship that God had with his creation was perfect. Amen? And things went south pretty quick. Adam and Eve, we know the story. If you know the story, you've been around church, you know, you've read the book of Genesis, you know things went south pretty quick. And Adam and Eve sinned and disobeyed against God. They disobeyed God. And what happened? The relationship that was perfect was now altered. And it was the heart of God always, always, say always, for him to have fellowship and relationship with you. So what I want to talk about to you today is three words. Love, grace, and peace. You love those words? Love, grace, and peace. We're going to try to unpack this idea of those three words and how it relates to our relationship with God. So let's jump right in. We're going to start. Here, here's the thing. I've already kind of alluded to it, but I want to start with bad news. How many of you like bad news? I don't like bad news. And you've heard people say, well, I'm going to give you some good news and some bad news. What you want first? Well, we're going to give you the bad news first because at the end we're going to have a celebration of the good news. Okay? Now, if you've been in church any length of time, you've heard this this message before, and we don't have many people here that aren't, um, you know, here all the time at Grow Church. I, I was intentional about this message because I believe that 
today, either this service or the second service, I was believing God was going to bring people that are outside the faith. And they need to hear the good news. Amen? So if this is something you've heard a lot, maybe God will, will just remind you and, and, and just help you to, to, oh, wow, thank you, God, that I'm reminded of the gospel message. Okay? But I just want to kind of give you a heads up because I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach the gospel today. Amen? You can never go wrong preaching the gospel. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to start with verse 1. This is the bad news, okay? What does it say? Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. So that's already, it's pretty bad, right? You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander, the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. So as you can see, the bad news is pretty bad. There's a couple of words, a few words that stuck out and I highlighted them. One of them was death. The other one was we're deserving of punishment, right? We're we're under God's anger, right? Now, well, some of you are like, well, is God mad? Is God mad? Well, he's mad at sin. He's not mad at you. As a matter of fact, we're going to talk about how he feels about you in just a minute, right? And so the reality is our sin was what separated us from God. And so there's basically two words. There's death. We died spiritually. The moment that Adam and Eve sinned against God, death came on the scene. Now, it's not, a, it's not so much just a physical death. It's a spiritual death where our, our relationship with God was severed. And what's it, we're, in, we're in a mess. And so death is, is one of the words used to describe, that Paul used to describe our relationship with God before Christ. This is our life before Christ, okay? There's a before and after picture. And then it says that we were deserving of punishment. And so, boy, that's bad news too. Amen? Because there, how many of you believe and always know that for every action there's a consequence? And that's really what it's all about. God said don't do it, and we did, and so there's a consequence. Amen? So we're, we're dead in our trespasses and our sins. That's our spiritual condition. We're deserving of, of punishment. That's bad news. So number two here, if you're, if you're taking notes, we need to confront this brutal reality. It's a brutal reality about the human condition of every person ever born, right? And so we're born with a sin nature. Because of what Adam and Eve did, we are born prone to sin. Let me give you an example. How many of you have kids? Did you ever have to teach your kids how to be selfish? Yes, mine. Go, 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 just go look at a, a preschool or a, a kindergarten class, and you'll see it right away. A bunch of little kids, and they're selfish. The problem is, most of us grow up as selfish adults. That won't cost you anything. Or, or you know, my, I had two boys, and man, goodness gracious, when they were younger, oh, they still do, but man, they can get into some pretty, pretty bad arguments. And, you know, be, be really mean to each other. Anybody can testify to that. 
So you don't have to teach a kid to be selfish. You don't have to teach a kid to be mean. Why? Because our sin nature, they're born into sin. They're born spiritually dead. That's a problem. Our life before Christ is we are born into sin. Now, let's look at Romans 5, verse 12. When Adam sinned, what happened? What happened? Sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to just a few. Turn to your neighbor and say, you, you. Now, you're not condemning them, but it's just a reality, right? Everybody has it. So the, the, the sin spread to everyone for everyone's sin. And so here it is. The reality of our dilemma, our predicament is we're born into sin. and we got to face that brutal reality. You know what that does? It wakes us up. Right? So we're dead in our trespasses and our sins. We're deserving of punishment. Now, y'all want some good news now? Is that enough bad news? <laughs> but I want to say this before we move on. Until you understand the severity of your sin, you'll never appreciate the cross. Can I say that one more time? Until you confront and realize the severity of your sin, because here's what a lot of people do. Well, I'm not as bad as Joe. I, ain't ever, I never killed anybody. I don't cheat my taxes. I obey the laws. Listen, it don't matter. You've still been exposed to it, and you still have to face the brutal reality that you're dead in your trespasses and your sins. So that's the brutal fact. Now for the good news. So three words can change this bleak condition that you're in. All right? You ready to start? So the good news is, remember that punishment that we deserved? We're, we're, we're guilty and we're, it's, it's supposed to be us. You know what God did? In that moment, from the foundation of the world, folks, God had you in mind. He said, listen, I'm going to send my, my son and he's going to pay the penalty, the debt. The, he's going to take the wrath of God for you. Can we say amen to that this morning? Anybody glad for that? What was it that motivated God to take those, to go to those great lengths? Love. Romans 5, 8. But God, what did he do? He showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. In your dead state, Christ looked ahead and saw you alive. Amen? And while you were still sinning, while you were still disobeying, while you didn't even care, didn't even have any kind of inkling for a relationship with him, he said, I'll come and I'll die for you. Amen? Praise God. And so this morning, you know that God loves you, don't you? The verse that you and I, I know most of you that were in church, that we memorized for years, that you see it at football games, people holding it up on TV. You might know what I'm talking about. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, not just some people, he loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, say whosoever, 
believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. Man, that's good. And so we realize today the love that God has for us. And the, neat, the, the cool thing is, is you know, the, you know John, 1 John talks about the idea that we love him. But it's, it's only a response to his love for us. We love him because he first loved us. He's the pursuer of the relationship. Anybody ever, when you, anybody, you guys that are married, when you were dating, and we'll talk about the guys right now, when you, man, that, that was all she, you know, she was all you could think about. My, my wife's birthday's today, by the way. And so when we, were, when we were dating, she's about all I could think about. And what did I do? I pursued her. I went after her. I talked to her on the phone. We talked, you know, all hours, took her on dates. Why? Because I loved her. I wanted to be in relationship with her. That's why I got married to her. 23 years later, here we are. Amen? So this is how God feels about you. He pursued you when you had no, you did not even care. That's how much he loved you. Yes, it's the agape love of God. It's the love that says, I'll do something for you. I don't, I don't need anything back. I just love you. You are the object of his love this morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're an object of God's love. Do you really believe that? Because here's the reality. Some of you in this room would say, you know what, you know, Pastor Lance, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how bad I've been. And so there's no way God can love me. Hogwash. He took that sin, your sin, on the cross. Doesn't matter how bad it was. Amen. So God loves you this morning. If he had a picture of you, guess where it'd be? On the refrigerator. Amen. That's a special place, isn't it? That's where, you, that's where your kids, you know, hand paintings go of turkeys at Thanksgiving. You know where you got the turkey? That's where the special people go, on the fridge. Amen. That's how God feels about you this morning. So the second word we're going, I can't count this morning. The second word we're going to talk about is grace. Go, let's go back to Ephesians 2 and let's read some more in Ephesians. You love the book of Ephesians? What a fantastic book. If you've never studied it, dig into it because I'm telling you, after reading the book of Ephesians, you'll know who you are in Christ. Amen. Your identity in Christ, you'll say, wow, I, that's who I am. So let's take a look. But God is so rich. Rich. When I'm rich, I'm not lacking, right? And so God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much. There's that word again, right? What did he do? That even though we were, oh, oh, go back. There we go. That even though we were dead because of our sins, there it is, the condition, he gave us life. Say life. So the condition was I'm dead and now I'm what? I'm alive. Hallelujah. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us up from the dead along with Christ and seated us, what? With him. In the heavenly realms, because we are united with Jesus. Amen. Verse 7. So God can point to us in all future ages as an example of the incredible wealth of his 
grace and kindness toward us has shown in all he has done for us who were who united with Jesus, Christ Jesus. Verse 8. For God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So if you think about what grace is, it's favor that you didn't deserve. Amen? Did I mention the bad news that we were dead in our trespasses? We couldn't help ourselves, folks. And yet God said, let me just show some favor to my kids. Let me, let me go to the cross. Let me walk out of the tomb and let me give them salvation. The unmerited favor of God, that's what really grace is. I love it too because, you know, some people, they get stuck there. That grace is all about salvation. It is, and that's beautiful. But it's also the power to live holy before God. If you go to Titus chapter 2, you'll see it. The grace of God that appeared to men, that bring, it brings salvation, has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion. And so the grace of God will save you, but the grace of God will also keep you. You know, there's some people who say, you know, Pastor, I don't know if you need to preach about grace all that much. I'm like, why not? Why not? If it's how you're saved, we need to declare it from the rooftop. We need to talk about it more. Now, I get it. There's some people out there, and you, and you know, I've heard all these terms, hyper grace, greasy grace, whatever. And I get it that, you know, some people misinterpret what grace is, that I can, you know, I get saved and I can do whatever I want to. That's not how grace works, folks. Grace is transformational. You hear me this morning? So when I step into, when I step out of death into life, I step into a relationship with God. I step into his grace, and it keeps me from wanting to do those things I used to do. Because now the old has passed away, and the new's come. Because when you really experience it, when you really understand what Christ did, when you really appreciate the grace of God, you don't want to go back. Lord, thank you for your grace. And you notice Paul said, you know, it's not about works. Why? Because I know how I am. Oh, yeah, man. I'm holier, holier than you. I don't do this, and I don't do that, and I don't do this, and I don't do that. And, you know, have you ever been around anybody like that? So here's how Jesus did it on purpose. He said, look, this salvation thing has nothing to do with you other than you believing in Christ. Because if you could do it yourself, you'd brag about it. You ever met anybody like that? Jesus encountered them in the New Testament. He called them Pharisees. You remember that story in the, in the New Testament where he's in the, he's in the temple and and the guy says, I'm not like that dirty sinner. Look at him. He's on his face. And the other guy's like, God, woe is me, I'm a sinner. Well, yeah. You see what I'm saying? So God did this on purpose. 
It's all about the grace of God, not about what you can do. Because if you, want, if you did it, you'd want to take credit. And you can't take credit. But you have those people. And, and listen, we're conditioned to it in our world today, right? Everything's about performance. You know, uh, what did you make on your SAT? You know, we're bragging about what we did. Or, you know, did you make the baseball team? You're the star quarterback? You know, or, you know, are you whatever? It's all about performance, right? Climbing the, the ladder, the success ladder. It's all about performance. When you move that over into your faith, it gets dangerous, folks. That's why there's so many out there who are deceived. Because in, in many of these cults that you, you know, and I, I don't mind naming them, Jehovah's Witness, Mormons, you know what they believe? If they work hard enough, somehow, some way, when in the afterlife, because I've done so many good deeds, I'm going to be got right before God. That's not, that's not how this works. Muhammad Ali, was, uh, he's a, he was a Muslim, and he, he actually, somebody asked him one time, how, you know, what about heaven? He said, well, here's how it works. At the end of my days, if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, I'm going to heaven. If it's vice versa, I'm going to hell. Well, how do you know? How do you know if your good deeds are bad deeds? You know, how many of you know you've done enough? Y'all follow me? How am I supposed to know how many? Is it 100? Is it 2,000? How many good deeds are enough, folks? Are you following me? And so here's the reality. I heard this from a pastor last week. I was listening to a message. He said the reason our, here, get this, our symbol of our faith is a cross, not a scale. The symbol of your faith is a cross. Why? Because it was about a scale. You could boast of it. But it's not by works that you're saved. It's by faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And here's the other thing. If you try to make it about works, then you discount what Christ did. I was just reading it this, this, this morning in Galatians. It said, listen, if you, can, if you can get me saved by keeping the law and keeping a bunch of rules, why in the world did Christ have to die? His death is in vain. Are you hearing me this morning? And so it's all about the grace of God, understanding that our relationship with Him, we're made right in Him by placing our faith in His finished work. Is His blood enough, folks? You guys remember the old song? What can wash away my sins? We got some singers in the room, folks. But that's the truth. Only his blood can save you. And I love that verse. If we can put verse 10 back up there one more time. I love that word. For we are God's masterpiece. I love that. When a, when a, when a painter or a sculptor, when he's... First starting out, he's got to have an image in his mind of what, what the outcome's going to be, right? And what he does, he takes that image in his mind, and he begins to work on, either on the canvas or on a piece of stone, and he chisels away, and he has brush strokes, he uses the right colors, and at the end, what you have is a perfect piece of art. Do you see yourself that way? That's how God sees you. 
There's an old song we used to sing as a kid. He's still working on me. You might, you might remember that song? That's what God's up to in your life. It starts with salvation. By grace you're saved. But he gives us a, an insight into where we're headed. Amen? That you are a masterpiece. God is working on you, sculpting you, painting you, whatever it is. And the outcome is going to be great. But you have to believe that. That's why, folks, that's why we believe that abortion's wrong. Because we believe every person's created in the image of God. They're a masterpiece. Amen. So the grace of God is enough to save us. And God has a great plan for your life. Do you believe that this morning? Are you thankful for His grace? The last word is peace. You glad for the peace of God this morning? I was looking up that word and really what it means, you know, I love this, this definition. It's the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. Can I read that one more time? The tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ and so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot. Now let's read some scriptures about it. Romans 5.1 Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, what's the outcome? We have peace with God. God, because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us, because of the cross, what used to be war, right? We used to be enemies of God. What used to be a war is now a tranquil state of relationship, a close, intimate fellowship. You went from being an enemy of God to being a son or a daughter of God. Hallelujah. In one moment. Praise God. And so we have peace with God because of the cross. That's settled. And because we have peace with God, we can have the peace of God. Right? Because of your peace with God, you have the peace of God. Well, what's important about that? Man, that's important. Because how many of you know storms come in your life? Trials? Am I the only one to have trials? Jesus said, my peace I give you. I leave it with you. You're going to have tribulation. You're going to face the stuff, amen? But you can have peace in the middle of it. So you have the peace of God. Why? Because you're in relationship with him. And when life when life's challenges come, just yesterday, I stood on this platform and preached a funeral for a 27-year-old girl who took her own life. Sitting right there on that front row was her husband, her kids. Folks, should this lie? Bring suffering. 
Lord, I will remember what Calvary has bought for me. What is that he's bought? My salvation. But he also bought peace. Are you hearing me today? And so this morning, folks, when you go through those kind of storms, you better have a relationship with God because you're not going to make it. Here's how Isaiah said it in Isaiah 26, 3. He said, you will keep him in what? What kind of peace? Perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because why? He trusts in you. So you put your faith in Christ. You put your faith in his finished work on the cross. That's the peace. That's peace with God. And because you're trusting in him, you have the peace of God. Amen. We fix our thoughts on Christ. We fixed our mind on him. We get our eyes off the circumstances. We get our eyes off the problems. And we focus our attention on what a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus. We get our attention on him. We, we set our gaze on him. That's why worship, listen to me folks, that's why worship is so, so vital. When we come in here, we're not just singing songs to kill about 15 or 20 minutes. No, what we want to do is we want to fix your gaze on, the, on the, where the gaze should be. Your gaze should not be on what's happening to you. Your gaze should be on the one who created the stars. Your gaze should be on the one who who came and and lived a sinless life and died a death on the cross. That should be your gaze. And when he is, you have the peace of God. Amen. Here's what Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 says. Don't worry about anything. Instead, what? Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience what? There it is again. God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when you're surrounded with with the love of Christ, when you're in Christ, that's, that's a guard for your heart and mind. Because the enemy is going to try to bombard you. He does it every single day. He's the, the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. So he's going to bombard you with, oh, you're not good enough. Oh, yeah, remember all that stuff you used to do? That's what you're going to hear. But what you're going to be able to do is because you have a relationship with God, because you have the peace of God, you have peace with God, and the peace of God, you can say, no, I'm not taking that. I'm not going to believe that. I'm going to declare, thus saith the Lord. Amen. That's who we are in Christ. So we can trust that Christ gives us a peace that we can't even comprehend or even understand or even articulate. You know, as I was preaching that funeral yesterday, I was reminded of my own parents and their, their walk with God. I mean, they love God with all their heart, and they, they, they lived a, a life in front of us, my brother and I. And, and we're, we're in ministry today largely because of what their, their influence. But you know what? The moment that my mom breathed her last breath, that was painful. And my dad, six months later, that was painful. But you know what? The peace of God. Guard, was guarding my heart and mind. Amen. God's not a respecter of persons, folks. You can experience that same peace today. 
But it's very simple what needs to happen, right? If you're outside of a relationship with Christ, you heard the bad news. Your life outside of Christ is a pretty bleak story. Would you agree? And Christ came to take care of it. So what are you going to do with this, this, this message, this good news and bad, bad news and good news? If you're outside the faith today, God wants to, to bring you into relationship with him in a, in a personal relationship. He wants to show you his love, his grace, and his peace today. It's pretty simple. I want to ask the question, what condition do you find yourself in today? Are you in Christ? Are you outside? Would you stand this morning? Thank you for tuning in to our online broadcast here at Grove Church. We hope that you've heard something today that will strengthen and encourage you throughout the week. Make sure you tune in next week for our next broadcast. God bless.